Gad. This is Pinky of Pinky and the Brain, and you are listening to An Elegant Weapon. It's the only thing the Brain and I listen to just before we take over the world, which means we listen a lot, because we've never really taken over the world, have we? Oh, well. No. An Elegant Weapon is brought to you by Nemesis Studios. What are y'all doing in here? We're smoking reefer, and you don't want no part of this shit. An Elegant Weapon for a more civilized age. This is a journey into sound. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to an elegant weapon episode 209. My name is Jay, J.M. Clark, Jay the Jedi Ross. Welcome back to the L5J Studios, kids. Wonderful to have you here this week on the show. We begin the road to Fan Expo Canada 2016, kids. That's right, we are two short weeks away from the big event. The third biggest comic convention in North America. That's right, kids. And, of course, the weapon will be there, as always, in the trenches, in the alley, bringing to you what matters. That's right. The finest in Toronto comic book talent. That's right, kids. We are going to be talking to all of our wonderful friends that we have made over the years. We can't wait to bring you another fan expo extravaganza. So this week, beginning the road to Fan Expo Canada... He has been on the show before. You know him, you love him, and we love him as well. The unusual and bizarre mind of Mr. Ricky Lima. Ricky Lima is a comic book writer out of the Brampton area. And we had a chat, as we have had before, but Ricky's got a Kickstarter happening. It's starting this coming Wednesday. It's a Kickstarter for Happily Ever After. And it's pretty darn cool, but you're going to hear all about that in the show. Uh, Ricky is also the writer of the Black Hole Hunters Club with Mr. Shane Heron. Uh, as well, he uh, wrote Deep Sea with our good friend D.A. Bishop. So much wonderful Toronto talent coming to you over the next two weeks, and I can't wait to bring it to you. Uh, yeah, so let's not mess around. Let's get started with this, shall we? Ladies and gentlemen, my most recent conversation with the one, the only, Mr. Ricky Lima. Hello, Ricky. How are you? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm terribly sorry about that delay. All right. Dude, my life for the past three minutes just turned into a fucking 80s comedy, man. <laughs> really, eh? Well, I'm trying to figure out, well, not figure out, but I'm updating all the Skype and all this stuff. And, of course, I spill a full-ass 
cup of apple juice <laughs> all over fucking everything. And it's just oh, running. Yeah. Like, the more I clean it up, the more it's running away from me down the table. You know what I mean? Yeah, I hear you. Dude, I uh, got my fucking papers. My papers are trashed, man. <laughs> oh, that's, that's the worst, man. Dude, it's a calamity. Okay, I only had five left, so that's not a huge deal. But now this means I got to go over to the store. I got, oh, man. But, like, now they're apple flavored, right? Hey, should I try that and just dry them out? Maybe good. Do you think that might work? My own apple infused flavor? <laughs> I could come up with some sort of, like, organic paper company <laughs> there you go I, I don't know if it worked i mean probably right i see why not yeah probably be a lot easier just to buy the fake ones <laughs> the fake watermelon so how's it going man <laughs> good man i'm good so it's uh it's been a while man when was the last time we chatted uh man it was probably like at a con maybe fan expo last year no, it would have been uh, the Fan Expo Fan Days, the Toronto Comic Con oh, yeah. Fan Days, their little Christmas event thing. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, which uh, that was fun. I'm looking forward to that now next time because there, like, there was like genuine holiday spirit, you know what I mean? Yeah, it was nice. I think cons and Christmas really go together. They do, eh? spending money, right? It's great. Well, plus a lot of, like, well, people, there used to be, like, con season. Like, we talk about, oh, summer starting or spring starting. That means, like, con season. And I see how a lot of other places can look at it that way. But, I mean, we're lucky enough to be here where there's something, like, every other weekend all year round, you know? Yeah, for sure. We're absolutely blessed. How's Brampton doing? I think mean, Brampton's all right. There's nothing really going on here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> how was uh how was the Toronto Comics Anthology Day at uh at uh stadium there? Were you there? Yeah, it was good. Um I mean like the mall is like it's not the greatest, so we we had like people walking by, but it wasn't like packed or anything. But the people who did stop by and like look at it, they were really digging the product, so. Well, that's that's, that's good. It's been a long time since it's in the Shoppers World Plaza, right? Yeah. Dude, I haven't been there in years, maybe 10 years since I walked through that little strip mall. You're not missing anything. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even remember there being a comic shop in it like when I walked by last. They've been there a while though, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, they might have been at a different location when you went. But yeah, they've been there for like 20 years, I think. Man, some of our comic shops are getting on, man. Like, they've been around a long time. There's some staples, like Stadium and mm -hmm. Altered States here. I think they're in their, like, 26th year. Yeah, we just had one uh, closed down in Brampton that was here for a while. But he was run by um, this guy. And I think he was, like, going, like, crazy or something. Because, like, his store was just piles and piles of boxes. And he couldn't really walk through it. And like for some somehow he knew like everything he had, but you just couldn't find it. And but he knew it was, it was crazy, man. I remember walking in and I was like, "What is going on?" I love uh, those places, man. I've I've found a few of those, and just you can find some treasures buried underneath that dust and grime and piles yeah. of old magazines and shit, you know. <laughs> mm -hmm. But yeah, they're everywhere, man. It's fantastic. So you've been a bit of a busy fellow. I, I try to be, Jason. I try to be. <laughs> well, it's a good thing, man. It's uh, you know, you're 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 branching out and trying different things. I mean, I think most listeners who are familiar with you or 
have at least just kind of heard your name would be familiar with you uh, from the Black Hole Hunters Club, of course. Yeah, yeah, and uh, Deep Sea. I remember we did the interview like two years ago, I think. Oh, yeah, that was super fun with you and Dave, for sure. Yeah, Yeah, that book still messes me up, man. (laughs) (laughs) Good, man, good. I'm glad it stays with you. You you ever think about uh, revisiting that story, or was that kind of a one-off for you? I I think I have a couple of more stories to tell in that in that world um it's just up to david really to see whether or not he would want to continue or if he's okay with me going with someone else so but david has been so busy right now oh my god eh? enough the the kicking it in a high gear you know so hey uh yeah man it's been super cool i i'm so excited about morte i can't even tell you like you know, have you read Tart? You're familiar with Kevin Joseph, the guy he's doing that book with? No. Okay. Wait, um, Tart. Uh, it sounds familiar. It's uh, you must have heard me or somebody ramble on about it. It's Kevin Joseph. He's a writer from Florida, and uh, the artist is Ludovic Salé. He's uh, he's a Frenchman out in the Frances there. <laughs> And uh, this book is incredible. It's a really cool story about time-traveling assassins. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, the art is something to behold, man. It's 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 gorgeous. You know Derek Becker, comic pros, uh, comic yeah. pros and cons. He's a big fan as well. That's one of the things that brought us together was our love of Tart. And this book is just it's insane. But uh, it's self-published. It's well. What is it called? I always have, uh, I always forget how to pronounce Kiklar Comics. Oh. What the hell? You know what? I actually, I think I have it like right here. <laughs> I think I literally, because I have, yes, I happen to have all my trades sitting right here. And uh, it's self published, but it's, yeah, Kikal, uh, I think that's how you pronounce it, uh, or Kakal. It's K E C H A L Comics. <laughs> and uh so yeah it's self-published but it's just just a beautiful book i've all i've all been rec- recommending it for years so the cool part of that is that kevin and uh i'm not going to be not bold enough to absolutely take partial credit for this creation yeah <laughs> but dave and kevin are hooking up for a book called morte Mm-hmm. And that's super, super exciting for me because I love and adore both their work so much. And, uh, you know, to have these two guys from different parts of the world again come together through meeting on the Internet or friends or podcasts or whatever it actually was, is it's such a cool thing. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. as the years have gone on, we've gotten to see so much more of it. So I'm totally stoked for that. Yeah, OK. So I'm looking this up online and I have read it, but I... I don't remember like where I read it or ah, oh, this is weird. Yeah, it's it's gorgeous though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's beautiful. So uh, I'm really excited because I'm not gonna give any spoilers here, but I've kind of had uh, slight little spoilery takes on what this comic's gonna be and uh, the actual way they're gonna do it, and it's something kind of unique. It's a little different, not something that hasn't been done before, but something you don't see too often. So I'm really excited to look into that. Um, yeah, you have been busy, man. So Black Hole Hunters Club uh, with Shane, of course. Yeah. Which is, there's a little, Did you have you heard about our connection there, me and Shane? 
I don't think so, no. Okay, so I have this very good old friend of mine. Her name is Erin. We've been, I think we dated when we were like 15, or like she was 15 and I was like 17 or 18 or something. Way back in the day, and she's been living in BC for the past 10 years, and she just moved back like a year or two ago. And I'm on Facebook, and I'm looking at just one of her posts that she put, right? And I look in the comments, and there's a comment from Shane, Shane Heron. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, whoa, slow down the entire train of the world here. How the hell do you guys know each other? And it turns out they work together. Oh, cool. Yeah, because not only a fine, fine artist Shane Heron is, but one hell of a baker, I hear, as well. Oh, fantastic baker. You've been, like, making pies recently? They're so good. I've seen them. Have you gotten to eat those? Yeah, he actually brought one to Montreal Comic-Con. It was great. Oh, man. How was that? I heard everybody had an absolute blast out there. Oh, yeah. Montreal's always, like, so great. I've never been, eh? No? Never. Never. Next year, you should come. I should definitely go. It's only like, what, four or five hours? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I don't know why. It's just never come up that uh, I've ever went out. I didn't even, you know how like in grade seven, you go on like the Quebec trip? Oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't even do that. What? Yeah, I don't remember why, but yeah, I never did. And it was, uh, it's kind of weird that I haven't been out that way. I've been out Vancouver side. But yeah, never been out east, man. My whole family's from out east too, like Nova Scotia and Newfoundland. So it's kind of, it's kind of silly. Oh man, you gotta you gotta travel more, man. I uh, I do. Well, I don't have to travel more. I just gotta be more selective. I think I'm just always like, yes, I'll come there. Yes, I'll come there. <laughs> I mean, I say you need to travel more as if like I travel. I I hate traveling. Like I'm the worst tourist in the world. I'll go some like I went to New York Comic Con and uh, I went to Times Square and I was like, this sucks. And Times Square is just like Young and Dundas Square. This is nothing, like, there's nothing special here. Is and it really, like, like, okay, I've never heard that point of view. Most people say it's, like, a bigger Toronto, but is will I really be that underwhelmed if I go to Times Square? I, I was incredibly underwhelmed. It's just, like, really big posters and, like, TVs, and you're like, oh, who cares about this stuff, you know what I mean? Well, especially so. with, yeah, how Dun- Young and Dundas has been so built up over the past 10, 15 years, too, that it's... It's 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 a big spot now, you know what I mean? Like as far as there's some big big ass posters there too, you know. <laughs> I'm such a crappy traveler, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I can't be bothered with that stuff. You know what I know? I, a, lo- a lot of Canadians don't really venture outside Canada a lot for cons unless they're pros. Yeah, I noticed that too. It's I don't know why. I don't I know. Just our dollar sucks so much that it's just hard. Yeah, actually, that's a very good point. That's an excellent point, which also surprises me that more like indie creator-owned guys from the states don't come up to because they can make a killing here. Because you can put out your book, for, say you got a trade or something, twenty bucks. You don't have to change the sign. Like you just put the same twenty-dollar sign out, and you're automatically just making more money because you're in Canada. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm surprised more people don't just, they're not up here all the time, like just banking it in. <laughs> so, all right, you got uh, the Kickstarter. Yes. Uh, for Happily Ever After. Yes, Happily Ever After. I feel like you did more, though, You because uh, Black Hole Hunters Club, and what else have you been up to? Because I feel like you've had little stuff. You had your entry in the Toronto Comics Anthology. Yeah, that that came in last year. Um, 
I do some educational books for the city of Mississauga. They do um, like these history of Mississauga comics, which are pretty cool. What? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're they're like a yearly thing. Yeah. How the whoa whoa? <laughs> How the hell do I not know about this? Um, where are they released through? Who makes them? Like uh, the Heritage Mississauga releases them. So they're like, um, I guess the Heritage Organization Mississauga and. Every year they come to us and they're like, hey, me and Daniel Wong. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, we just make these comics for them and then they give them away for free. They don't even sell them. It's crazy. Is this a paid gig or kind of like a volunteer thing? Oh, it's paid too. It's, I, I, I was lucked out to get, <laughs> get in on this. So. Yeah. How did you get in on that? Um, so Daniel was doing it. He did it the first year and then they needed a new writer for the second year. Uh, and then they just came to me, they're like, hey, you want to do it? And I was like, uh, yeah, I want to do it. And then I guess I did a good job on the first one and then did the second. And, and now we have the third one coming out probably uh, October, I think it is. Uh, okay, so <laughs> this comes out and I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm kind of taken aback that something like this exists, especially me being in the city and all. So... Like, they hear about you through Daniel, or... Yeah, yeah, so Daniel, I, I'm almost like a subcontractor under Daniel, you know Okay, I mean? all right, so he yeah. knew you and suggested you for the gig sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. And now you have to do research, like... Well, they're pretty good, they they pretty much give us, like, a fact sheet and say, okay, this is what you, you, what you need to hit, and I'm like, all right, cool, and then I, I basically just write it out in comic form. But, uh, yeah, there is a lot of research I gotta do. Like, we did one on, uh, World War One. Yeah, World War One. So I had to, like, research, like, planes in World War One and how they work so that I, like, there, was, there was a Mississauga in World War One? <laughs> yeah. It was, um, they, they, like, trained pilots, um, in Mississauga before they went over to Europe, so. That's crazy, man. I had no idea. There's some really rich history in this area, too, and in this city, because it's, it's a huge city. Like, when you look at, you know, where the actual borders are, it's monstrous, and it's one of the reasons I love being down in Clarkson here. Uh, you know, the L5J, what, what, is because <laughs> is it's so old. I think 1802 or 1798 or something that Clarkson Village was first settled, and tiny little cool things like at one point it was the strawberry capital of the world <laughs> what yeah it was the strawberry capital of the world and uh it was when, when it started out and for some reason it was just really good for strawberry growing there's still a few patches left from uh original times like way back when and it's the same fields they've been growing strawberries in for like 200 years yeah, it's totally crazy, and there were, it was really cool because uh, you know how I'm an arborist, I'm a tree climber by trade, by by day, and I was working at this, a couple of years ago, I was working at this house on Clarkson Road, and I was taking down this really big old tree, it was huge, like a couple hundred year old oak tree, and there was a sign, the house was really old, and there was a sign on it that said, Bushes Inn. So I decided to research that. Turns out this was the very first house built in Clarkson. What? Yeah, and it was on Clarkson Road, and then up the street, Clarkson himself uh, opened the post office. And it was the post office that the entire whole like Clarkson area grew around was because there was a po post office there and strawberries. 
That's crazy, man. Yeah, so I researched it, and it was really cool that I got to work. And I looked at I, I looked at old pictures of the house that were like over a hundred years old, and the tree I took down is in the pictures and still quite big. Uh, do you feel bad about taking it down now? It had to come down. Unfortunately, uh, it was a hazard issue. It wasn't just like they they were devastated. Like they were nobody wanted this tree down, but it was just too old and too unsafe at a certain point, right? Mm. Yeah, so. And how about uh, Colonel Sanders? You got to do one on Colonel Sanders then. Well, Colonel Sanders has Mississauga history? Colonel Sanders lived in Mississauga for 14 years and <laughs> kept a house here all his life. <laughs> like the captain? Like Kentucky? The Colonel Kentucky Fried Chicken <laughs> motherfucking Sanders. What? You know, you know uh, Dundas and uh, Cothra just... Just east of Dundas and Cothra. Uh, Dundas and Tompkins. You know right where Tompkins starts at Dundas? He lived right there? Yeah, where the where the, where the the Chinese kind of city area is. There's a KFC right there. And mm-hmm. that was the very first KFC in Canada. <laughs> and he came here to help open that. And he enjoyed the area so much because it was much more farmy at the time, right? This is decades ago, so it's still farmland pretty much, a whole bunch of Mississauga. And he really enjoyed enjoyed the area. So he bought a house up the street, I think near Bloor. And he would visit the store every day. And he would hang out at the store for like 14 years in the 70s or some shit. Oh my god, I didn't know that. We definitely need to make a comic about that. Yeah, man, totally. Like, there's some cool shit that's gone down. So it's it's all straight up, like, like educational. There's no fiction involved. Yeah, it, right? it's borderline like Magic School Bus, because Mayor Hazel McCallion is, like, driving a bus, and <laughs> picks up these kids, and then takes them through journeys through history. It's, it's pretty hilarious. That's amazing, because I was going to ask you, like, how do you not turn Hurricane Hazel into... Like a superhero of some sort. For the people out there who don't know, Hurricane Hazel, Hazel McCallion was the mayor of Mississauga for 20 some odd years or no, it was more than that probably, right? It was a long time. Might have been like 30. It was long. She had the rag. I think she's the longest serving mayor in North America. I, I could believe it. Something like that. Uh, she was it, well in her 90s when she just retired and reti- decided not to run again. Like, what was that, a year or two ago, a couple years ago? I think she ran seven terms uncontested. <laughs> like, no one would bother to run against her for, like, decades. And did you know she was on the cover of Time magazine? No, I did What? Like, yeah. Recently? Not recently. Uh, the Mississauga train explosion, the chlorine leak. Okay. Do you know about this? Oh. Oh, my goodness. I just, Ricky. <laughs> in 1977 or 78, there was uh, right at Mavis and Wolfdale there, there was a train derailment, and it was a train carrying chlorine gas. What? All of Mississauga was evacuated. The entire city had to be evacuated. And I think they did it in, like, 45 fucking minutes or something insane so it was hazel's plan it was her evacuation plan like she handled the whole thing and that plan that she used is now the standard across north america for evacuating an entire city wow i didn't know any so yeah and so she was there's a she was on the cover of 
uh, Time Magazine. It was a picture. I'm sure you can look it up. And it's on site. It's like at the derailment, you know, fire trucks and all emergency scene. And it's a picture of her with a yellow raincoat and like a yellow, like, you know, a yellow rain cap. Mm-hmm. And with her hands on her hips, like kind of surveying the area, like, <laughs> looking all stoic and shit. <laughs> wow! And yeah, it's it's fucking amazing, man. She's a hell of a woman. She's one yeah. hell of an accomplished individual. You know, she she took a city. I think Mississauga was debt free for the first like thirty years of my life. You know, and oh. there was yeah, I think there was one year that they we had eleven dollars debt, and she made a joke and like wrote a check or something. <laughs> that's great yeah. no Mississauga is such a good city it's dude neat. there's rich history this whole region the Niagara region from Niagara Falls to here man plus I was kind of raised on it though I have a my fifth great grandfather was uh, Captain John DeCue and he fought with General Brock okay and there's a there's a road and some falls named after him down in Niagara DeCue and his house was the one that Laura Secord went to to warn them that the Americans were coming uh, because she was married to his relative, so she knew to go to his house. So when we were kids, they used to take us to Laura Secord's house, and then we we wouldn't walk because it's actually insane, but we'd drive from her house to the DeCue house. And so we'd, you know, there's so much war history and shit out there, so... There you go, kids. That's your history lesson on the Golden Horseshoe. Let's uh, let's get back into some comics, I suppose. Eh? But sorry, that got me all excited, man. I didn't know that exists. You have Ooh. to get me like copies. I need to see that shit. Yeah. It, you know what's sad though is like all that rich history kind of just ends when you hit Brampton, and then it just kind of fades away and disappears. Well, that's because Brampton's so young, though, right? Brampton sucks. <laughs> well, it's. <laughs> People don't people don't like to go to Brampton because that's where court. If you're going to Brampton nine times out of ten, it's because you got to go yeah. to court. Well, that's true. You know what I mean? Like I'd never go. Well, except that my ex-wife is Persian. Okay. And so she had a lot of family in Brampton because uh, Brampton is you know very heavily immigratedly settled. And, uh, but it also happens to be where the court is right there. So uh, those are the reasons that I had for going up there. But you lived in Brampton all your life? Yeah, pretty much. Well, exactly all my life, yeah. And the yeah. same place all my life, too. So. Is it the, like, what area are you in? Are you around the court there? Like, you're on Yeah, area? I'm, like, right around the corner from the court. So. Oh, you're, like, right there then. Yeah, so when, when they have those big profile cases, there's, like, helicopters and, like, snipers around my house. It's crazy. That's cool, man. That's cool. There's a Mandarin right there, isn't there? Yeah. It's a little bit away, but yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> At least you got that going on up there. <laughs> you, you ever been down to Clarkson, down this way, like for the uh, lake or anything? Yeah, I've been a couple of times. Yeah, we got the nice parks down here, the the Richards Memorial Park and the Jack Darling Park down on the lake. Just gorgeous areas you know i love living down here it's fun it's a good city it's a good city but i digress uh i read happily ever after oh yeah oh i'm excited to hear what you think i loved it man it was cool it was not anything like i expected uh my my initial thought is this okay Hmm. it's whacked out just like ricky (laughs) but it's it's uh it's contained it's controlled 
Right. Okay, that's good. You know what I mean? Like, you definitely, it's unique. It's totally your style of story. It's funny. It's charming. It's totally cool. But there's something, uh, there's something nicely, there's a nice structure to it. You know what I mean? Like, it didn't go, it didn't go crazy as I thought it'd go. It actually started, I thought it, because I'm reading it, I'm like, okay, Ricky's about to go nuts, and I expected (laughs) to be laughing, which I was, you know, I expected the humor that was there, but you could actually take this quite far. Yeah, I I think, really, that's kind of, like, how I started it. I didn't want it to be, like, so crazy where you read it, and you're like, well, this, there's no way you can expand on this, because it's, like, too crazy or too, like, insane, so I really like had you know a long longer form in mind when I was writing it because you gave it such like there's there's a real story that you've started with there one that's very true to life that's very real and identifiable yet you've put it in this context I got this Lima context I guess <laughs> like, <laughs> oh I got one of the genre now sweet well kind of, it's it's like well you've taken a story that could be told uh, that is a very modern story that's what I should say it's a modern story it's a modern tale about modern issues and you've set it in this fantastical land of non of non modernity modernity modernness I don't know. <laughs> yeah contemporary early kids it's saturday morning that means that this is a wake and bake podcast so just be aware of that my lips might be a little mumbly today yeah. but. i guess like I, I should explain what the story is about for people um it's about a, a kidnapped princess in a fantasy world who uses a dating app to um find knights to come and rescue her um and that's that's like the general <laughs> that's okay i see why you put that out there as the story as because it is a story but it is it's the funny kind of side of it like yeah there is definitely more to it but that's much more to it people. yeah yeah there's much more to it like i it like you saying that actually i it surprises me because i would have considered the other one the main character mm-hmm yeah, but, but the other one is so complicated to talk about, I guess, that it's it you need that snappy like line that people are like, Oh, okay, I get it now. You know? Right. And then when they read it, they're like, Oh, okay, there's more to it than that. So <laughs> with it being like fun, like a fun comic at the same time, I'm sure like like you were saying, where you know, long long form, you're definitely gonna have some I think probably really touching moments in there. Um was it a conscious choice, or did you struggle with being like, "Fuck it, I'm going to put cell phones in medieval times"? Like, what <laughs> were you just like, "I'm going to throw rules out the window," or are you just going to like, well, no, play with actually, this? Yeah, it actually came to me in a dream, which is like, you know, it's, it's weird to say that <laughs> you get your inspiration from dreams. But uh, it was, um, I had a dream about a princess who's using Skype um, to to like berate knights to like call them like pansies and like they suck and stuff so that they would get so mad that they would come and like rescue her just to show that like they're not uh you know big wusses but, uh, <laughs> so, so the, originally the princess was like almost like tank girl kind of thing you know what i mean um but then i was like i don't know this seems kind of like you know there's not much to that so then i was like okay well what if she had a dating app and then all of a sudden like the story kind of formed from that so yeah, I guess like the idea of including technology in a fantasy world 
kind of just came from, you know, my brain, like, putting things together and being like, oh, what works, you know what I mean? Well, you, it's, it feels like you didn't mess with it. It feels like it is a dream because you didn't, like, try to explain anything. You're just yeah. like, yeah, she's got a fucking cell phone. What's, <laughs> I don't need to yeah, explain sure. it, right? Like, I think that comes from, like, uh, working with Shane on Black Hole Hunters because he's a big proponent of, like, you know, just don't explain it unless it absolutely needs to be explained. Right. A lot of stories kind of get bogged down by like, okay, this is why this happens and this is why this happens. But who cares? You know what I mean? As long as it works, who cares how it works? Absolutely. It's kind of hard to go too deep into it without spoiling anything because I I really don't want to spoil anything because this is a story where you're interested from the first page sort of thing, right? And you're learning stuff on every page. There's no filler. You didn't put any filler in this book. It's very concise, you know? Yeah. I, I did try to like expand some scenes, and I was like, "Ah, this is this, this isn't working." So, and yeah, it's a really tight story. It's uh, your artist's name is yeah, Nicholas Londiex. He's from the UK, which is exciting. It's very exciting. Where'd you meet him? It was uh, online through uh, there's a subreddit on Reddit called uh, Comic Book Collab, and they're they've been producing a lot of really cool stuff. There's like some really great and talented people on that subreddit. And, uh, yeah, I just posted in January, and I was like, hey, I'm looking for someone with, like, a unique um, unique style. And then he was literally the first person to email me, and I was like, well, I guess we're done. <laughs> really? That's, yeah. that may, that's totally fate, man, because it compliments your writing very well. Yeah. Like, you guys definitely have hit on something here, because it's, I mean, how can I describe it? It's uh, it's kind of adventure landy. Mm-hmm. In a way, um, not as cartoony, you know, but it's, yeah, it's unique. I don't even know how to describe it. Would you call it cartoony or like? Oh, yeah, for sure. It's definitely like, um, so I don't, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the game uh, Undertale. It's a, it's this game that came out around December and it's like a, it's a very cartoony game, but at the same time, it's like, it deals with a lot, a lot of like mature Subject matter, very similar to Adventure Time, you know? Okay. I was was playing that game in December, and I'm a huge fan of Adventure Time and stuff like Steven Universe, and I guess that kind of just informs the story, and they have, like, very cartoony uh, styles, but also, like, mature content, so it just works. I don't know. (laughs) Well, that's why I liked it. It works well, like I was saying, how uh, it's not too out there. Yes, it's Adventure Landy, but I, I, I... Kind of liked Adventureland when I've seen it, but it never hooked me. I never laughed too much, but I laughed during this book. You know what I mean? Like, it it brought a chuckle to my face as, you know. So it's more, it's a little more straight humor is, I guess, what I'm saying. It's not like, as much as it's a unique kind of wacky out there story with some wacky ideas and some not so wacky ideas, it's very kind of grounded in a way, you know? Thanks, man. Yeah, that's good. (laughs) Well, yeah, it's, I don't know. I'm trying to describe it without spoiling it, which is difficult. Yeah. And that's well, always you know, one of I... the most difficult things on this show is, because, you know, I'm, I like a lot of things and most things. And, you know, I'll be honest when I don't understand something about something with an artist. But, you know, it's very hard to be describing a comic book also when you're doing a podcast, you know? Yeah, that's true. You need you need images. Well, we got I have like preview images I can send you. You can like post that if you oh, want. Oh yeah, I always do that. People will always see it afterwards. But I really, really encourage your kids to go, and because they can also so the Kickstarter. 
Yeah. Uh, how many days? That started two days ago? Uh, depending on when this comes up, this is going to go... Uh, the Kickstarter starts on the 24th, so it's not up yet. I think I'm going to probably put this up tomorrow. This will probably be up Sunday for everybody because uh, I've, uh, I've got a... F- I've got a few pre-fan expo episodes that got to be squeezed in there, and not enough weeks to do it, which is cool though, because it's fun to have a big, uh, big fun lead-up uh, coming to fan expo. Mm-hmm. But uh, is it just that under Kickstarter, happily ever after? Yeah, you could just search that. Um, I have the URL of happilyeverafter.com, so you can. But it's after without the e. That's important because it's like an app, you know? It's cool and hip and trendy. <laughs> so there's no E on after. Which, I mean, after I bought the domain, I was, domain, I was like, man, people are going to misspell this like crazy, you know what I mean? So we'll yeah. see. I mean, yeah, we'll see how that works. It's still fun. you got to change that up a little. you got to put your own little spin on it somehow, right? So It's like Silicon Valley over here. <laughs> So what are our goals? What are our rewards? Uh, okay, so the goal of the Kickstarter is $4,000. Um, it could have been higher. Uh, I've, I've invested my own money into the project, so I've, I've tried to keep the, the goal a little bit lower. Um, and so the main, the main tier is obviously getting the book, but there's something I'm really excited about is there's these things called Suter mini prints, and they're like, these little like three and a half by five and a half cards that are uh, that have gotten like fifteen artists to work on, and they've kind of like made up their own character, and then these are their their dating profiles uh, <laughs> in that world. You know what I mean? So we have like you know a cyclops, and so then it's like the cyclops bio, and you know That's he's really man. yeah, and then there's like a little dragon, and it's cool because it's like you know there's like them taking selfies and stuff and. <laughs> one like uh, a really jacked wizard in a bathroom, like taking a selfie of himself. <laughs> so, it's pretty cool. <laughs> that sounds like fun. Yeah, stuff like that I really like because you know an artist creates this character, and then it's up to me to to make the bio for him and like kind of develop who this character is, right? Dude, that's like childhood fun shit. Like, we used to all sit around. You'd make up a character, and you'd have to write out where he was from, what he did, what was his color, what was his weapon, what was his specialty. <laughs> yeah, and that's just always like the funnest. And then when you're done, you have this new character, and you're like, yeah, what does he do? And then you have all these cool stories. So like with these suitor mini prints, I mean, I could potentially have like 20 years of material just through these characters. You know what I mean? <laughs> just keep it moving. Absolutely, everybody. It's like the. That's why we used to love things like the cards on the file cards on the back of the G.I. Joes. Right, yeah. Right? Those were the best. They had the little picture. I'll never forget when I bought, uh, what was he called? The Falcon? Not General Falcon. No, Raptor. The Raptor? Was that his name? There was a G.I. Joe who was like a bird man. <laughs> what? Yeah, and he used like ra- he controlled raptors and stuff. He had like a pet raptor, but he had like a hood and like blacked out eyes and like kind of a beak on his like hood. Oh. And he had like these wings. These like his cape turned into like wings. And he had the coolest back file and it was like the weirdest story for a GI Joe. And I was like, "Man, imagine you getting to sit around and just write that shit all day." I know, right? That'd be so cool. Well, it's yeah. At that point, was it like someone like Larry Hama was doing it, or this was later on? I think. I think this was this was near the end of me buying GI Joes, which probably meant near the end of the cartoon series. So I think this was one of those later characters that got thrown into the cartoon just to kind of keep it spiced up, sort of thing. Yeah. You know, so because I mean, this would have been. 
very late 80s, if not 90s yet. So it must have been near the tail end for sure. But uh, Howard Wong. He wrote know, that. <laughs> no, just <laughs> – you are familiar with Howard Wong. Hello? Yeah, yeah. Me and yeah. Howard, we've, we've hung out a couple of times. Right, right. Uh, he kind of gets to do that over in Hong Kong there with the Bandai and the stuff. They're like, hey, this is our toy line. Make a comic series. And he gets to come up with the whole backstory and why these characters exist and what they do. And then they make fucking toys out of them. That's the coolest shit in the world, man. That's wicked. Yeah. And I see that happening a bit more here. You see Jason Liu and the, he made the action figure for the pitiful yeah. human lizard. <laughs> And that was, that was um, yeah, he just kind of was like, you know what, I'm just going to do this. And then he did it, and it was like wicked, and you're like, oh, man. It's an awesome idea. I think he's going to have them for Fan Expo. I think, isn't it Sam, Sam Noir that actually he does? the next one, yeah. Yeah, he does that himself, right? Is he just doing his basement? Or... I, I, yeah, I and then show prototypes he does in his basement, and then they like ship them off to China and mass produce them there. Because it was very sweet. I was at Altered States for Stephanie Line's uh, signing party for Strays mm-hmm. when Strays came out, the release day, and he had me. He made her a little dog action figure. I saw that. Yeah, she brought it to the Toronto Comic uh, thing. Oh, it was so cute. It was very nice of him. It's very neat, man. But I mean, the fact that now I know it's possible in my head that I could have a Jedi Ross doll. <laughs> Are you kidding? It come little accessories like just like Jay and Silent Bob, man. Like, cause uh, I got this Jay and Silent Bob toys, and you like, you know, you take the fist off, and then there's another fist you put on that's holding a dube, or whatever. You know what I mean? Nice. Yeah, I totally need that. I could have a microphone in one hand as an accessory, and like a dube for the. Oh, <laughs> sorry, I'm getting away with my own brainstorming. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. All right, so uh, pony pages or pony mages. Yes. Uh, speak to us of this for a bit. Okay, so Pony Mages is a franchise like within Happily Ever After, so the world of Happily Ever After, um, and it's like it's pretty much My Little Pony, but in that world. Um, so we really tried to make it. So we looked at Happily Ever After, and it's this like fun, cute story. Um, and My Little Pony is a fun, cute story, so we couldn't do that. I mean, that's that was off the table. Um, so it was. It turned into this like really brutal, dark fantasy story about these ponies that are like, you know, necromancers and like, yeah, man, <laughs> dealing with like the queen of the dead and stuff. And I initially, di- I initially just wrote that as a kind of like a one-off thing in the in the happily ever after. Um, but then I was talking to Aaron Feldman, who's an editor at Toronto Comics, and uh, he's the editor on this book. And I was, I was telling him, I was like, you know, these pony mages, it'd be hilarious if we can, like, write this, like, really hardcore, dark story about pony mages. And then he's like, yeah, you know what, I'll do it. So then he wrote it, and it was wicked, and I was like, oh, my God, we need to do this. Uh, so then I went in online again, and I found an artist, and, you, I mean, you read it, the artist is, like, amazing. Incredible. What's his, what was it, Ian Haas or something? No, Iris Haas. Iris Haas. Uh, so Iris just like killed it. She she did some initial designs that were like, holy crap, this is amazing. <laughs> it's beautiful, man. The one shot, there's the one panel of uh, I guess the the skeleton ghost bride horse. Yeah, you'd call it. <laughs> uh, that's a stunning panel. Like that's a put on your wall panel. That's there's some really really good stuff in there, man. Like it looks fantastic. 
it was such a it was such a pain to find an artist for that though because like so I would contact an artist I'd be like hey are you up for doing pages and they'd be like yes um, and then I'd be like okay it's about these ponies and they're mages and then they're like no I don't do ponies and then I was like what <laughs> so it was so difficult to find an artist who's willing to look at the project because I guess they thought I was some like twelve year old kid doing like original My Little Pony comics oh yeah it's probably it, totally think it was like a yeah, dark side of ponies, but this is de- this is nothing like that. Yeah, like it's it's completely different. So it's not like realism, but it's not cartoonism. It's kind of something in between, but it's 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 beautifully done and it's definitely unique. Like you don't think the only reason to think of My Little Pony is the word pony. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know, and the fact that they can talk. So that was the only thing that I got a little confused with because there's no. There's no talking ponies in ha- Happily Ever After, so I was like, "Is this connected?" And then I kind of clued in. I was like, "Oh, okay, I get it." It's, it's almost like how the Black Corsair is in The Watchmen, um, and how like they just kind of read this comic in the world. Right. Um, so it, it, it's almost like a pretty much exactly like that. It's very cool though. So are you, are they coming together? Is this going to be like both in one book? Or are they going to be yeah. separate or? No, it's going to be a backup inside of um, Happily Ever After. Well, that's the thing. Can you really call it a backup? It's almost as long. <laughs> no, it's only it's twelve pages. It's half as long as the actual book. So it's it's okay. It's half the pages, but it's twice the reading. Yeah, that's true. It, is a lot <laughs> it took me longer to get through the Pony Mages story than it did to get through the first story. <laughs> that's true. It's just, it's just more wordy. It has to be right. Like that's well. Maybe that's... you're just saying more with less. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, but they are. They're, they're different stories, even though they're in the same world. Obviously, they're they are different stories, and they're both very very cool and unique to themselves. So that's that's you're getting a lot of bang for your buck, kids. If you guys are putting that into the whole one issue, because yeah. it's well, it's a good. lot of entertainment, you know. Mm-hmm. Originally, it was going to be a um, a stretch goal, but like I mean, I already paid for it and I already did all this, and I was like, why would I make it a stretch goal if it's already done? You know what I mean? So, um, I I, I talked to the printer that we're printing with, and it actually wasn't that much more to include those pages in the in the book. So I was like, you know what? Let's do it. So it it went from being a stretch goal to like actually being in the in the book. So that's super cool, man. That's very cool. How long's the campaign on for? When's it end? It's going to end, I guess, September 24th? Yeah. September 24th. Um, that's a pretty long run. That's like two months? No. Uh, three, uh, a month and a half? month and a half? 30 days. 30 it, days. It starts August 24th. And Is there a limit? Are all Kickstarter campaigns 30 days, or can you choose lengths? Some are uh, 60 days. I think 60 is the max, so two months would be the max, and 30, I think, is like the minimum no i don't know i don't think 30 is a minimum i think maybe a week is a minimum but they say like 30 is probably like the sweet spot depending what you're going for because people are really starting to do some unique stuff with kickstarter too like they're starting to use it in ways that are like continually beneficial um like for instance josh Dahl. he's a writer out of boston he does rapid city below zero uh with sean langley out of the out of the out east here and um what they did was is they they finished 
for issue six of their book, Rapid City, they finished the first five pages. They just did them straight up themselves, right? Yeah. Then they held the Kickstarter for the next page. What? And then if that page got funded, the stretch goal was for the next page. And if that stretch goal got funded, the next page was the next stretch goal. So it was like really small increments, I guess, for the... Small increments, not asking too much at all. I think it was a couple hundred bucks for each page or something like that. And what you get when you pledge is you get membership into an exclusive club on Facebook where you can watch their interactions on everything. Like every like uh, they've they've done this for a while. Their entire book process is on Facebook. So you know how your artist will send you a picture, to, yeah. uh, you know, send you a new page for you to look at, right? Yeah. They were doing it through Facebook. So wow. when Sean Langley finished a, a new page for the book to show it to to Josh, he would just post it online. Wow, so that's yeah, often like deck like dozens of people would see the picture before Josh even saw it. <laughs> right but then in 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 the same turn if he had criticisms he would put them right there on facebook so they were completely transparent and for this kickstarter they just made a little club for that so you get access to this club where you watch their interactions you watch the process and you see everything go down and then yeah. by the end of the kickstarter the whole book's been funded and everybody's seen how it's worked and everybody gets the book, right? So weird. Can the fans like comment on the pages and like give yes. their own criticism? Yes. That's, that's too much, man. I don't know. That's that's crazy. It's not for everybody, but I mean, it, it's a very cool, unique idea that works for these guys. Definitely. Like Josh is a, Josh is a smart, hard-headed guy and he's also an educator. So he's used to criticism and critique and debating things and work breaking them down with other people, right? <laughs> so he kind of turned making his comic into an educational process, wow. which is yeah, it's this really cool thing that he did. So I, I'm sure they're going to continue to do that in the future with more stuff. It's a great book too, Rapid City Below Zero. But we need to get you out, Ricky. We need to get you across the border into some magical other lands because there's so much out there. That's one of my quests, though. It's one of my quests is to unite everyone I possibly can who makes fucking comic books and enjoys comic books and all the things that we love and just be a bridge, you know what I mean? Like, it's good. I've always said Michigan and Ontario, we should just form a super province, like Michigan, Ontario or something. <laughs> Done. Yeah, just break down the walls, man. Break down the borders. You can you bring it all together and you'd be mayor. Nice, nice. I will rule with an iron fist. Yeah. <laughs> no more goddamn murder trains in my super province, man. <laughs> I promise you that much. Uh, they come up the most, I'd say. Like when you go to Fan Expo, there's I don't think this year it's going to be as much, but there's usually a rather large Michigan contingent. Just because it's so easy. It's only three hours away, hop over the border, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, it's. Uh, like, I'd like to see our people try to get out more. Because I, I see a lot of the same Canadian artists at cons, but it's only the bigger guys. You know what I mean? Like, I'll only run into the Scott Hepburns or the Jim Zubs, right? Right. And I think you guys need to get out. You need to I'd stretch, love to, man. stretch like, the legs. Like, here is, like, awesome. 
I, I'm not even going to say it. I'm not even going to say it. I've said it too many fucking times to say it again. Okay, I'll say it one last time. If you don't do Mortar City Comic Con, you're foolish. All of you artists out there. <laughs> Absolutely just my favorite con of the year to attend. It's it's just gangbusters. And as far as to be involved with, of course, the great Philadelphia Comic Con, which Points of Interest Podcast Network is, of course, the official podcast network of the great Philadelphia Comic Con. And I plan on bringing a lot of uh, Toronto talent down there this year. So I'll keep you posted for that, Ricky. Maybe we'll go down to Philly and we'll run the Rocky Steps together. Dude, uh, I'll like roll down them or something. Or, <laughs> I, don't <know> <laughs> I, can, I don't know if I can go up the stairs. Yeah. So what, else, what else is happening? Anything new? You got anything else on the, on the go? How's Black Hole Hunters coming? Well, Black Hole Hunters Club, we have uh, issue seven hopefully coming out for uh, Fan Expo. Shane's working on that now. And uh, there's the biggest thing ever. And that's that's on its way. Uh, so we have issue one and two of the biggest thing ever. And that's kind of like backup, or not backup stories, but like uh, individual stories about each of the Black Hole Hunters Club like members. Okay. And it's stories about the biggest thing that they've killed. Um, so, oh, dude, that is cool. That yeah. is cool, man. <laughs> so issue one features Lars, and the biggest thing he killed was like this, like little, uh, this like ladybug thing. So it's, <laughs> it was like a story about him and like this ladybug. And then uh, issue, and then the second, so each each issue has two stories in it, and the second one has uh, Hector, and it's like he killed some like you know this like big priest guy who's like running some city. Uh, so it's all about that, and then the second one has Princess Zamra, the really big. Girl, right. but like, yeah, boobs. <laughs> She's it was like her story and about like her killing the spider, and then you know, so it's it's really cool. And I think the one I'm most excited for is Trevor's, who's like this little uh, bug guy. Because in the first issue of Black Hole Hunters Club, you see him exploding out of the 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 human's head, and so then this story is about how he gets inside of his head to kill him. Because nice. so in that one. When you see it, you're going to be like, this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. That sounds fantastic, man. <laughs> and it's weird, because I wrote that like two years ago, I think. I think I even I wrote that just after um, issue six came out. And that was like a long time ago. And the books are just now coming out. So it's like, comics takes a long time, man. It does. It's a fucking process, man, because people have lives to live as well. But, I mean, Black Hole Connors Club is so fucking rock and roll. I love it, man. It's, <laughs> it's I, th- I think it really is. I think it's one of the unique shining stars of the community of the Toronto comics scene. You know what I mean? Of the whole community. It's, it's just unique. It's special. You two are so talented. You're such a good team together. It's such a fun book, you know, that it's nice to see that. There's... You guys have that unique thing where you can go in between. That's the stuff I really like. That's what I think about why I like Star Wars and stuff. It's not too cartoony. It's not too edgy. You know what I mean? It's right. yeah. it, it's a fun time. It's why I, I enjoyed uh, Salvagers by Bob Sally. Uh, it's a great book. I don't know if you've heard of this. He's out of Boston as well. But what it is is it's the salvage – like say you're in space, right? He was inspired to do this story by – wondering who cleaned up the Death Star or who made the Death Star, that kind of thing, right? That whole kind of Kevin Smith clerk's 
trope that happened, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the same kind of idea. And so he wrote, he, he's got this book and it's about this crew of salvagers who just go around salvaging like old ships from wars and battles and shit. And they're like the janitors of the universe. <laughs> and it's an awesome story because there's action and adventure and, you know, some emotion and all that. But it's fun. It's got a little bit of everything, you know. So I'm really looking forward to those backstories, man. The biggest thing ever. Or uh, biggest, yeah, biggest thing ever, yeah. So will it be like the Black Hole Hunters Club presents yeah, Black sort of Hole thing? Yeah, presents biggest thing ever, yeah. Um, so we have, so if you come to Fan Expo, we'll have issues one and two, and hopefully issue seven of uh, of the mainline series. And uh, yeah, it's it's going to be, if we can get it done, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> Very cool. Are you, you and Shane are tabling up yet? Yeah. yeah. Very nice. Do you know whereabouts you are yet? I got an email. It's like a a two hundred somewhere. So I don't right know on. exactly what that is. I have to admit, like uh, it's the the artist Sally that Kevin Boyd has put together this year is fucking phenomenal. Yeah, it's an incredible lineup. The only other lineup I've seen even close to this good was C two E two last year. Oh yeah. And uh, sorry, that was that this year. I can't even remember. All the years are bleeding together my old age but uh when i was at c2e2 scott snyder and greg capullo were there and they had lines like (laughs) we're talking hundreds of people deep wow and greg capullo is going to be in the regular artist sally at fan expo really Last time he was here was like five years ago for when the new 52 started and he was a special featured guest. So the only signing that he did was at those offside tables that take a lot, a, a good lineup. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like beside the alley there. And I was second in line, by the way. <laughs> and putting, I'm really nervous about what might happen putting him in the regular artist Sally. Cause uh, Rob Liefeld was in the regular artist Alley for was it the March show? I think it was. Yeah, but that's a the March show and B Liefeld. Like, I'm sorry. Like Liefeld's, you like him or you hate him, sort of thing, yeah. right? You think Greg Capullo's line is going to be longer than Rob Liefeld? I think so. Wow. I absolutely think so. I think people completely underestimate the Capullo. Uh, I guess yeah, he just came off of Batman, right? So, dude, this is this was a Batman run. The names Capullo Snyder now sit directly beside Adams and O'Neill, man. Oh, like what? absolute man. in my mind and a lot of people's others other people's minds. If you're a hardcore fan of the Bat, this was five years of glory. This was oh, this was fifty two issues of the finest comic book making I've on on a level of anything else. Like, did, have you read any of the new fifty two Bat? Any of their run? Yeah, I read up until uh, Death of the Family. Oh, dude, Death of the Family, Night of the Owls, Court of the Owls, Year One, like, or Zero Year. Just, it didn't stop. There was no blip. The entire run was just so good on both ends. And I saw it. I knew it at C2E2. I was like, those two together. It might not be so bad because Snyder's not there. It's just Capullo. But I'm telling you, man. C2E2, they had to basically shut one entire lane down because of the lineup for those two. And it was instant. 
the biggest lineup that happened right away, like once the con opened, people were running to those two. Of all of everything available at C2E2, the biggest fucking draw was Greg Capullo and Scott Snyder. But here's the question. Are those people running to them out of admiration of their work, or do they think they can get the money from their signature? Like, what do you? why do you think those people are lining up? Like, I mean, obviously there's fans there, but those people who are, like, first and second in line, I mean, obviously not you. But, you know. Well, it's funny you say that, because the first person in line in front of me at Fan Expo, because uh, he, he was giving away a, an exclusive Mr. Freeze print. Okay. Uh, numbered Mr. Freeze prints at fan expo and the people in front of us got the, the obviously the number in front of us i think i got seven and they got six or something because mm-hmm. the first five had been given to like other people or something so they got like the number six of like a hundred or whatever and then uh we were looking on ebay and we saw that they had instantly put that the mr freeze print up the people in front of us yeah so they didn't give a fuck um, I think there's probably a good chunk of them, but I do really think it's admiration because there's not tons to be had for certain things in comics right now on that level, or at least for the past few years. And I could be completely wrong, but if you're judging by – if you want to just go by previous appearances of Capullo at C2E2 and last time at Fan Expo, he's going to have several hundred people in his line. Oh, man. And even if it's 50 – Okay, let's say 30 people, right, are waiting for Greg Capullo out of the 100,000 people. Only 30 want to line up to meet Greg Capullo. Still think about a 30-person line in that artist's alley at Fan Expo. That's pretty brutal. I'm really nervous about that, man. I'm really nervous about that. I'm hoping they maybe put him on an end like they did with Liefeld, and they did the same thing with Mignola. They kind of put him on an end so the line didn't bleed into the actual alley of the artist's alley. But well, boy's a smart guy. I think he. I think he knows what's up. So. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I it's think, so great uh, to see how like it, the energy of the, of the, at least the comics part of it is just so much more like lively. I feel with him involved. Like, there's been a pushback. Yeah. You're totally right, but I mean, Fan Expo in particular has been it's been neglected you know what i mean um it's been neglected many of us know why i'm not going to air why but you know i completely know why and it made me very nervous to be at motor city comic-con this year and last year and see the exact reason why fan expo had become what it had at motor city and i was like oh there's that reason i see him over there that reason and uh, it made me very nervous for what could happen in Motor City. And Motor City is rapidly becoming uh, a media con. Mm-hmm. It's rapidly becoming about the celebrities. And it's still a beautiful con and a wonderful con and a great artist's alley. But you need to take care because that's where it came from and that's where it's going to stay. When all this shit goes away, there'll still yeah. be guys making comics, right? For sure. And, you know, there's places that are staking their reputations on how they treat them now, like the Great Philadelphia Comic-Con. And, you know, and Fan Expo last year was great. I mean, you know, you can speak more better, better than I, having actually been an artist there. <laughs> but did you not find the treatment rather uh, personal? Yeah, yeah, they're really great. Um, I even had, like, some of the staff come up and, like, talk to me and stuff, which 
rarely ever happened. So <laughs> Exactly. They were handing out water and treats and just refreshments and just even coming by to say hello. It means a lot to an artist who's who's working hard, you know what I mean? So But I'm stoked for this year, man. Mark fucking Hamill. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Are you gonna get a signature or no? I'm thinking about it. Uh, it's expensive. I think I'd rather have the photo op, mm-hmm. which I might split, actually. Mr. Anthony Rutgazer of The First Hero, uh, he, he and I were considering perhaps splitting that. And I'm perfectly probably willing to split that for a picture with me and Mark Hamill in it. You know what I mean? I hear you. But think about what a bat year this is, man. Greg Capullo, Adam West, Burt Ward... Kevin Conroy, Mark Hamill. Man, like Batman panel's gonna be intense. <laughs> oh, dude, David Finch, you know? Uh I think he's there. Is Finch there this year? He's there every year. He's gotta be there, right? Jason Fabach, is he gonna be there? I usually is. I mean it's a big, big lineup with a lot of big, big names this year. Anybody you're looking forward in particular to seeing? Oh man. Um I don't I feel like nowadays I'm more into like the self published stuff. Like I'm more sure. excited for these people who make it uh like, you know, on a photocopy or something. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. I really like getting like a hundred bucks and just walking through Artist Alley and like seeing whatever catches my eye. So I don't know. I haven't gone through the list yet, but I'm sure there's someone. Oh yeah, there's lots of talent there, lots of good stuff, you know. It'd be nice to see Mr. Sean Daly again, of course, making waves. Dude, he's made a bit of a name for himself in Michigan. If anybody's got to do Motor City, it's oh, really? fucking Sean. Oh yeah, man. It was happen. It was because of Stegman. Uh, Ryan Stegman's a fan of Sean's. Oh really? That's cool. And uh, he probably heard. Uh, it probably was. Uh, you know, I'm going to here. Here we go again. It's credit taking day. Uh, because of an elegant weapon's constant push of the talent and uh, awesomeness of Sean Daly, I think that, that I, I pushed that over to people like Derek Becker and uh, you know that over in Michigan enough, and they became fans of enough. Because once you see his work and you meet the guy, you can't help but fall in love with him because he's just so goddamn adorably nice. <laughs> Agreed. And, uh, and uh, Stegman's always here as well, right? And I think they might have hung out at one of our after-drink parties one night. And I think he might have got a chance to talk to him. But then on Comic Pros and Cons, Stegman totally put him over. Like, you know, without any kind of prompting or anything, Stegman was like, oh, there's some really good guys coming up, guys like Sean Daly. And I was like, good man, Stegman. So I, I, you know. Cool, man. Because he's a Michigan guy, like he's the man in Michigan is Stegman, right? Like he's kind of, oh yeah, he's 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 the biggest name to come out of there in a few years, not ever, but he's kind of their top tier guy right now as far as who's working professionally at the moment, right? Like Stegman's fucking killing it, so it's kind of like go Michigan, but he's also tight with the whole community, like the whole community's so tight there. It's just like guys like Ty here, right? Like Ty Templeton, like Ty Templeton's totally tight on a friendly level with all the smallest of publishers we have in Toronto and you know to the point where he's got the boot camp where he's trying to help and well that's he's probably taught most of the publishers here exactly you know like Toronto Comics Anthology pretty much exists because of his inspiration and pushing of them to do it you know so yeah 
you know, big, big influence that fella is around here. So Stegman's, you know, not he, not, he doesn't have a boot camp there, but he's uh, yeah. he's kind of that for Michigan, you know. That's good. Oh, guess what happened at the at the Volume Four signing party, or the 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 info party, or I keep calling everything a party. Everything is a party. Life is a party, people. <laughs> the info meeting, yes. <laughs> I'm standing there and in what Steven Berger. Who's that? You don't know Steven Berger? Okay. Steven Berger did a book called Talk. He's a Toronto artist, and it's a book called Talk, and it's a very detailed, kind of characterized sketch work of people having conversations. It's like a, a hardcover trade paperback. And sorry, a, a hardcover trade. And it's just all these conversations. Then it'll have like things they're talking about are kind of described and like bubbles above their heads and shit. I'll I'll, I'll show it to you. It's it's an amazing book <laughs> and incredible art. And he just pounded it for like two years putting this book out. Just did every con. Every con I was at, I saw. He was doing interviews, pushing this book and this book alone, right? Just this <laughs> one book. So finally gets it made, gets it out. Everybody loves it. It's critical success. And he fucking vanishes. Really? Literally left Canada, left the internet, closed all his accounts, gone. <laughs> See ya. I don't exist anymore. And I, I haven't known what happened. Still don't really know what happened. I think he was maybe in Asia for a bit. I don't know what the hell he was doing, but he split. And he was gone. And for like two years, I haven't heard hide no hair of this guy. And then there he just comes strolling into the meeting, just like, oh, hey, man. I'm like, wow, burger. Flipping at you. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you've been gone. He's like, yeah, I was gone. And that was it. And now, and he's like, but now I'm back. And it was like, it's like, fuck. It's like Superman. He went back to Krypton to like check something out and came back, man. It was totally, totally weird. But I'll show you this book talk sometime. It's, it's a beautiful book. It's really cool. That's awesome. That's just a testament to how volume four is like, like the Toronto Comics Anthology is blown up, I guess. You know, the people like this are coming out for it. You know what I think? I think I think it's I think four is going to be huge too. Um, what I have offered is I want to get more involved myself because Andrew and Aaron and uh, Allison they take so much on themselves uh, as far as promotion mm-hmm. that. I think they need to be able to concentrate on the book more, and you need you need a certain amount of hoorah from people who can do nothing but hoorah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So at least as far as volume four goes, you're gonna hear that probably like the the second every second word out of my mouth next year will probably be Toronto Comics Anthology Volume Four. It's it's honestly the worst part about making comics is is doing the promotion part of it. I don't know, for me at least. Like when so the Kickstarter is about to come out and people are like, Yeah, you have to like contact every single blog, you have to do all these podcasts, you have to do this and that. And like I just it's hard. I just don't want to do it. You, know hey, I- you don't need to do it. You don't need to do it like that, man. Like I was telling you uh when we were texting the other night that the great thing about podcasts is here's my formula kids. Here's my theory if you're doing a Kickstarter for a comic book. I think that several podcasts is a good idea, not too many. I think you don't want to do maybe if you have a 30-day campaign, I would say do maybe three podcasts, maybe one a week. Make sure that they are at least spread out a week apart so you can take advantage of fresh new audiences as you go. 
and you don't kind of blow your load all at once, right? Yeah. And uh, make sure it's podcasts that your audience will be listening to, right? Like that target audience, of course. So there's not tons of comic book podcasts in this giant ass city, like which is weird. Fourth biggest city in North America, and it you got to really really fucking search to find shows like mine and Speech Bubble and Droids Podcast, the Droids Canada, mm-hmm. and uh, Get Your Geek On. There's there's not that many of us. So there is a, a smaller community to reach. But yeah, that's my theory. I say you do one, like maybe one a week, every three weeks for the Kickstarter because podcasters want to promote their episodes no matter who's on it. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to like I'll, – I'll be pushing your Kickstarter just via pushing this episode once it's out for like a week, right? Yeah. So that hopefully will bring a couple extra ducats in or at least a couple more eyes on the project, right? Yeah, I could use all the ducats I can get. <laughs> <laughs> Good times. All right, let's wrap her up. Uh, Ricky Lima of the Black Hole Hunters Club of Deep Sea and now Happily Ever After. No no E, right? No e, yeah, no E on the after. <laughs> no E. Drop the E. Well, You know how often that's a big part of my life saying no E. Because yeah. nine out of ten times people think there's an E on the end of Clark, but there's not. Damn it, people! Uh, Fan Expo Canada, get out there, find Ricky's table. He'll be there with Shane. Pick yourselves up some Black Hole Hunters Club issue seven. But most importantly, of course, Kickstarter. Happily ever after without the E. I'm sure uh, if you just write Ricky Lima as well. Yeah, it'll probably come up. But of course, we'll have links all over the place. You're all going to get bombarded on the social medias with the links. Uh, So something fun that's happening is on the 24th as well. I'm doing a live stream of a a comic jam. So it's going to be okay. In person comic jam on the 24th. How many people? (laughs) Just one. It's just going to be me. Just one. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be me in my room doing a, I think I scheduled five hours. And I'm just gonna be making a comic. Uh, I, I can't draw, but I can. I can. Write Did you it. just say five hours? Yeah. I'll be making a comic, hopefully. And so, so the goal is, anyone who backs the Kickstarter during that time, uh, I'll put into the comic. So. Oh really? So it's like a marathon. A little bit, yeah. So well, I'm gonna wait then, like. That could be dangerous because my instinct is to wait and not pledge till you do that. Then, <laughs> well, that would be on the same. Oh, that'll be on the launch day. So, okay, all right. But it, it's already launched, is it not? No, on Wednesday. The it t- launched last Wednesday. No, no, the twenty fourth. Oh, okay. I thought it already started. I apologize. Oh. You know what I'm getting confused with is two days ago, Hogtown Horror. Yeah. Uh, started and they in fact are going to be uh, on the last show before Fan Expo kids uh, I'm having a few I believe I think we're going to have two artists uh, an editor and a writer uh, I think the only one I know for sure is uh, Mr. Christopher Yao is going to be on that episode but uh, in the episode before that and after this we're going to be welcoming Mr. Aaron Broverman of the Speech Bubble podcast 
So, uh, yeah, go to the Kickstarter when it starts then because it hasn't started yet. So you're going to be doing it on that day. That's perfect. Yeah. Uh, everybody make sure to watch Ricky. We, we can interact it with you as this is going on, yes? Exactly, yeah. I'll, you definitely like story ideas or like <laughs> So what, YouTube or Facebook, Facebook Live? Yeah, Facebook Live. You're going to Facebook Live for five hours. I think so, yeah. Is that, is that crazy? I think it's awesome crazy. <laughs> I think it's perfectly, wonderfully ludicrous. And uh, it's good times indeed. I'll be checking in. I don't know if I'll be able to do five hours straight, but I'll definitely check in for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, I want drawn into the goddamn comic book. So fuck yeah. That's when I'll be. Uh, that's when I'll be pledging. <laughs> You're having a telethon, a Facebookathon for your comic. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> you should have somebody draw by. Like, who else is in the Brampton crew up there? Um, there's the Genoi, Paris. I mean. Yeah. There's not too many, but yeah, there's a couple. Maybe I'll ask. To- Toby's up there, right? Yeah, Toby's Yeah. Maybe yeah, so I, you know, maybe they'll want to come. Just get them to pop in for like five minutes, like a guest appearance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ricky, that's fantastic. Uh, you're a swell fellow, and you make me laugh. And I absolutely love the new book, man. Uh, good luck. Thank you. And uh, everybody get out there, support your local Toronto comics uh, creators and uh, their creator-owned projects because we have more talent in this city than any other goddamn place on the motherfucking planet. (laughs) Exactly. That's right. So, uh, Ricky, thank you so much for coming back and joining us again on the show. It is always wonderful to enjoy a conversation with you. Uh, and we will see you at uh, motherfucking uh, Fan Expo. Yeah. All right. Good times. All right. Uh, that's all we're going to have, kids, this week on An Elegant Weapon. Take it easy. <laughs> see ya.